I'm Morgan Hanso. And I'm Dave Hanso. And we believe that every person is created with unique passions and talents. And yet most of us don't live as if that's true. Welcome to the LGH TV podcast. Hello and welcome to LGH TV podcast number 10. We have made it into the double digits, my friends. Yes, we are excited too for this one. This one's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think you're going to laugh a lot because this is taking it back to the old school days. Yeah, you know, this is my best friend growing up, Ryan Andrews, since middle school. He was my college roommate. For a year. For a year because then we got married. Uh, My best man in our wedding. And uh, And you were in his wedding. And I was in his wedding as well. just an amazing guy, um, but but we touch on on all sorts of things this this podcast from barely graduating high school to being on the Oprah show at the same time as us, giving away his car actually gave away two cars in one year, um, and how basically saying yes to things uh, has allowed him to do some really incredible things like authoring books, writing. Yeah, a blog that uh, and articles that millions of people have read. Uh, he's just, he's an incredible guy. You guys are going to love it. And it's, again, like Morgan said, just hilarious. Right. So with no further ado, oh, actually with some further ado, let's talk about what's going on with the find. Yeah. Wind it up. Okay. Um, <laughs> nice sound effects. Thank you. I would like to say that um, we apologize that the fine season two um, will not be necessarily live on Thursday, November 5th, like we had previously said in the last podcast. And we deeply apologize for that. But we um, had some things come up, and so we are just needing to figure a couple of things out. But we definitely know that there are several of you who are eagerly waiting. And so we will do whatever we can to try to figure out like a certain limited time window, 24, 48 hour window where we open it up and let all of um, our fans and the Kickstarter backers watch. And so just stay posted and stay tuned to our social, social media. media. Yeah. yeah. Well, and just so you know, it's good stuff. It's not bad things. It's right. nothing, nothing bad came up. It's, it's, they're all done. They are amazing. We are so excited. I mean, we can be honest. The real honest truth is uh, the, well, there's no revenue for LGH at this time. And so we're talking with some potential sponsors uh, about... Some corporate sponsors. Corporate sponsors about um, partnering with us in helping um, provide some financial backing to making sure the show gets out to a wider audience and uh, would allow LGH to run. And uh, yeah, it would. it's a big deal. It's really right. important. We wouldn't do this otherwise. Right. So it just... Yeah, we're looking for sponsorship where, you know, we'd say the show is brought to you by blah, 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 and it would just show at the beginning of each episode. So, yeah, we're exploring a couple leads and just feel that we, in order to honor the company, we would have to kind of hold off until we have that in place. So, anyways, we appreciate your patience, and like we said, we will do our best to get something out to you, um, like a sneak peek. I think on the 5th, we're going to try to give people access somehow, or at least a limited group of people who've helped make it possible. Um or, or maybe at the very least offering the first episode or something. So anyway, we're figuring that out right now. We got three more days before that day. And, um, but for now, enjoy this podcast. You are going to love it. 
Okay, should I say it? Without further ado, here is Ryan Andrews. I'm gonna say hello, hello. Are you making fun of me? Yeah. Oh. She says I always say hello, hello, and then and she I'm makes fun like, of me. <laughs> I do stuff like that all the time. <laughs> On the phone, whenever I'm calling somebody, I say, hey, yeah. That's the first thing I say. And Kate always makes fun of me. If she's in the room, she'll be like, I'm, like, I'm calling somebody like real. Right. Hey, yeah. And I start laughing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Sorry, baby. Yeah. Go, Pen. Say it. Uh, no, I'm not saying hello, hello. Hello, hello. Uh, no, thank you for hanging with us, though. Um, Ryan Andrews, best friend of mine growing up, and an amazing, amazing guy uh, who, as as we dive into his story, it's going to be fun to get to tell, tell it. And uh, I think it's going to be inspirational for people, probably way more than what you know, which is why... I want you to tell it. <laughs> yeah, all the way from Boston. From Boston. Area. I mean, your address isn't Boston. It's, yeah, it's like Boston. It's easier. What like address do you live at? In case people just want to stop by. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it's Arlington. Stop by. Arlington, is that right? It is in Arlington, yeah. So it's a you take the subway 15 minutes here in Boston. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, um, so I grew up with you. Yeah. Like, you and I lived at each other's houses all through middle school and yeah. high school. Middle school, high school. We roommates in college. Roommates in college. Best man at your wedding. Yeah. You guys it doesn't get a whole family. lot closer than that. Yeah. 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 You're as close to family as my family, for sure. Yeah. So, it's an honor to get to have you come out for the Find premiere. Uh, it was amazing. Thank you. Yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, thank you so much. That was a really sweet surprise. Yeah, it was a big deal. I'm proud of you guys. Uh, it's awesome. Well, thank you. It was uh, it was a really fun night. It was fun. So it's it's kind of funny because I feel like there's going to be a lot of reminiscing, which is good, and a lot of laughter, which is fun. good for us. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Sorry. Very boring. Do you remember that time yeah. and that other time? No, we don't remember any of those times. Yeah. You guys are just going to go into like cable guy monologues. Oh, we could do cable guy monologues all day. Uh, that did not get enough press. I don't understand why people didn't like that movie. Walter Mitty, Cable yes. Guys. Those are movies that, yeah. Everybody should watch. Under the radar, yeah. <sighs> mm. I'm disappointed in the world right now. <laughs> That's funny. Well, and, you know, Morgan, we dated all through high school as well, so yeah, we I, have a little reunion even in that. I mean, we were... We were with each other a lot. And that you two used to come to my softball game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back when I was in, I think I was in eighth grade and you guys were freshmen. I'm like, who are these two freshmen dudes coming to hang out at the ballpark? Did you like that? Do you think like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> Did you? I don't come on. know. I mean, our mom had to drop us off there. <laughs> yeah, so we were wasn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And you guys had matching white shirts on. <laughs> Shut yeah. it. No, probably, don't. probably matching white. And we had, I had a barbell. Yeah, I thought I did too. Okay, so we might as well just get into it. It's because you guys were into bodybuilding. Yeah, yeah. so we competed in bodybuilding together, which is very unique for high schoolers. Like about about point oh one percent of high schoolers ever actually compete in bodybuilding, and we were just the ones to do it. Um, so yeah, that gets us into. I think. Well, go oh ahead. well, we better say that you guys both. At one point, so later on in the high school years, went to the Junior Olympics together. Yeah. Yeah. And you yeah. took silver? 
Yeah. And you took gold? Yeah, first and I mean, second. Junior yeah. Olympics, we did the state high school championships. Did yeah. all there. Yeah. So we have a gold and silver medalist. Yeah, you do. At the table. <laughs> That's a really good point. You haven't brought that up in a while. I We should talk about that it's more. Funny, I'm wearing mine today. <laughs> I just wear it around. Been wearing it ever since we were high schoolers. Oh, yeah, what is that underneath your shirt? Oh, it's just my junior Olympic gold medal. <laughs> yeah, I bring it up. It's mine. <sighs> That's fun. But that taught us a ton about, I mean, just commitment and... I don't know. What was that like for you in high school? I mean, I, I of course have my experience, but yeah, I mean, when you look back on competitive bodybuilding, you can poke fun at it, but I, I would not be the person I am today without it. I mean, I wasn't, you guys know me better than anybody. I wasn't a good student. I wasn't working hard in school. I wasn't really doing a lot of positive things right. and bodybuilding just seemed to be the thing that was like, gave me something to focus on that was somewhat positive yeah. for that time in my life. And, you know, you had to like work hard to see results and yeah, it, uh, it gave me a connection to you. It, it right. gave, I think it gave us like an outlet to go to the gym and totally did not just go get in trouble. So. Right. So just to be clear for people who don't know bodybuilding and why that's even a big deal all through high school, we were eating six to eight meals a day. Um, working out at least once a day and come bodybuilding season, a competition season time, uh, it would be twice a day, cardio in the morning and then working out after school, eight meals a day. We'd be in bed by eight or nine o'clock at the latest so that we could get up early and work. I mean, it was a... You were waking up in the middle of the night to eat a meal? Yeah. When we were trying to gain some extra muscle, kind of... As yeah. high schoolers working out, it's like you couldn't get enough food during the day, so right. take advantage of the night hours, <laughs> like, wake up, have a can of tuna or something. And go back to bed. Or I remember, yeah, in uh, passing periods or times in between class, you guys would like book it out to the car, like we, scarf we, down we, over like a meal or some eggs or some like think, ground beef and oh, come yeah. back in. And we'd bring the coolers in. One of the classic things in high school, we made sure to be attendance aides. Yeah. For one period, because we could use that period to go eat a meal. <laughs> so attendance aids meant we walked around to all the Collect classes the sheets. and collected the attendance sheets. Wow, I bet they don't even do that anymore. I do know. They? Oh, it's probably digital now. Yeah, it's wow. got to be. Yeah. We'll run around and collect those and go eat. And then we'd have a little time to go out to our car and eat a meal and come back. Yeah. I mean, because we were in high school in days before cell phones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we you... were. Yeah. First, People first started getting them our senior year, I remember. I remember seeing a couple of them. Bag phones. Well, they were big and they weren't good, but I mean, <laughs> my first one was in college, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Wow. So, yeah, that is crazy. I mean, in, even talk about school. You say you didn't like school. You didn't, I mean, and I remember you guys getting kicked out of classes in, in high school for laughing so much because we you guys were, were messing yeah, around. Yeah, I mean, it, uh, looking back, like my wife now is was a great student and she worked extremely hard in high school she was top of her class yeah she's morgan right she's yeah, exactly yeah, like exactly, morgan. Yes, yeah both of us yes. married people who very hard yeah. workers took school very <clears throat> school to me was friends girls and a chance to show off like my, my results of body <laughs> right. that was, it was I my never, stage yeah. and it's i look back i'm like what a wasted four years in terms of i didn't do homework Right. I didn't. I'm surprised I graduated. I yeah. mean, like. Well, you, and not to not to point this out, but you graduated with a what GPA? No, maybe two point 
Do I need to yeah. go any further? <laughs> I two think, point I think something. Was, I, I really do think it was like a 1.8 or 2.0. It was around 2.0. Yeah. I'm I not trying it. to bring it down, yeah. but this the, it helps your story because it's that's why it's so amazing is that... Um, and I was the same, by the way. I, I think I graduated with like a 2.8. Yeah. Not much better. I mean, and we're both fairly smart people. So it wasn't because we were, you know, school is hard. It was because we didn't try yeah. in that area of our life, which was interesting. Right. Um, at least for me, I remember my freshman year just doing really poor in school. And then for the next three years, I did decent, but it takes a lot to get back. But anyway, the whole point of that is, so you get in um, to college, How? Yeah, so college, I took my uh, ACTs. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't do SAT, I took ACTs. Uh, And didn't do well on those, didn't have a good GPA, so I was accepted Mm -hmm. into UNC, Northern Colorado, uh, on like the probation program. So you had to prove yourself the first semester, Mm -hmm. and I think maybe get a 3.0 or something. And yeah, I remember I was like, if I don't get a 3.0, I'm done. Like, I'm out of college. What am I going <laughs> to do? Go get a job. Right. I'll go, I, I, my fallback was, like, lottery. <laughs> I'll just win. Get a bunch of scratch tickets. Or I, I was I thought professional bodybuilding, but right. which is, like, I don't know. It's, like, even in the world of, like, far-fetched things, that's not even, like, a... You don't make money. It's not like a good. You have to be like top five in the world. Which right. Is right. Not. I mean, that's ridiculous. Uh, you probably would have worked at GNC. That would have yeah. been your fallback. Well, that was. Yeah. I worked at GNC. <laughs> right. But that, yeah, that uh, that probably would have been turned into a full time full time gig. Anybody no, no, no. At GNC, it's a right. Good job, but right. It's just a. It was a weird. You have that realization of like, what am I doing? I didn't. College is real. Like, you couldn't really fake it anymore I felt like you could kind of just you know uh, sweep by yeah and that so I think what's most incredible about your story not only then I mean you rocked it in at UNC well and you kind of found your group you found a passion in a specific specific field um so what was that what did that how did that come about I mean the, the class I remember in high school, like anatomy and physiology, I loved. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is about the human body. And we got to like take pictures from the magazines and identify all the muscles. I was like, this is great. So in college, when I learned I could study exercise and nutrition, perfect. I love this stuff. I would study it anyways. It, it's all good. And uh, I mean, I started to transfer, I guess, the things I was learning in bodybuilding. I was like, wow, you have to actually like dedicate yourself to something and work hard and focus on it. And then you'll see results. So Maybe I can try that more with school and go to the library and do my homework and apply myself and sit in the front and ask questions and <laughs> stuff I never did before. And I don't know necessarily, because midway through college, you know, you got married. Yeah. I finished up because I didn't, I wasn't placing well. I was like, I got to end this. Was, but you went to nationals in bodybuilding. Went to which the collegiate team huge, nationals. Huge deal. Yeah. yeah it's it, a big deal. If I don't place in the top three, I need to move on because this pursuit is very selfish. Hmm. It's... And it's hard because I remember both of you guys, you know, especially as we were dating throughout high school and those, you know, the first year of college, you know, from a girlfriend perspective, you guys couldn't go out to dinner. You couldn't go get ice cream. We couldn't stay out late at night. I mean, it was very. Yeah. It's all about you, the the person like, hey, I got to go eat it's... my meal. I got to go to bed. I got to work out. It's like, yeah. okay, but. 
So you realize that, hey, if I, if I can't top or place in the top three, then... Yeah, it's a sign. I need to move on. So I moved on, and that was a weird transition. I mean, because that's your identity. Whenever you are something, like I was the bodybuilder, so now I'm not, what do I do? I didn't know how to eat. I ate based on the diet I was following, oh, right. you know? Like, uh, I didn't know how to work. I didn't know how to live. I didn't know what I was doing. So hmm. um, I think I took a lot of, like, my whatever focus and just went into school. Hmm. I'm just going to be the best student I can, try to learn this stuff and see how far I can take it. And I'm sure that has its negative sides and its positive sides, right? I mean, it's positive because you did really well in school, negative because... It kind of just becomes its own like disordered obsession, you know. Right. I don't know if it was like a balanced way to approach things again. It was kind of like when I was bodybuilding, I was just stay out of my way. I'm doing bodybuilding. I was like, stay out of my way. I'm in school. Like, I'm going to the library. Wow. Yeah. So you graduated with a 2.0 from high school. You get into UNC. You graduate with what degree and how did that turn out? Yeah, so I graduated UNC. finished with, uh, I majored in exercise science, had a minor in nutrition. And I don't remember my exact GPA, but it was it was up. I mean, up a lot from high school. Well, and a double major. I mean, that's impressive. Uh, that was, I didn't have a double major. Was, I had a major and then a minor Oh, you could have taken that right there because I, I didn't know. <laughs> throwing you a lot. I have you three four majors in history. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a teacher and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so, mm-hmm. and then I applied to some grad schools and uh, got into Kent State, which was amazing. Because, I mean, grad school is competitive. I wasn't top of my class in college or anything. Yeah. It was very competitive, and they offered me a position, and I took it. It was great. So, yeah. so you get done, you go to Kent State, you get a. Yeah, so Kent State, in two years, I really pushed hard and I have uh, a graduate degree in nutrition, a graduate degree in exercise science in that okay. was two years. And it was a graduate assistantship. So I got to do some research. I got to do some teaching, uh, got school paid for. It was like wow, a fantastic opportunity. And it was like, yeah. Couldn't... And then you go from there to... Yeah. So at the end of that, I thought I'm going to give it a shot. Like I'm going to apply for my nutrition internship at Johns Hopkins. I'm not going to get in. No way. It's like the yeah, it's like one the, of the most prestigious It's a fantastic places. institution for so many things and just very competitive to get into. So I thought I'd give it a shot. Uh, I, I remember the interview. We had a phone interview. I was like, I had my whole day built around it. I was like, don't mess up this phone interview. <laughs> <laughs> it felt like I had the time zone off or something. So I was like just getting out of the shower and the phone rang. Was, oh, oh. I sat down. Oh, it geez. actually went really well, the phone interview. I was like sitting there in a towel, like trying to do it. I'm panicked. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, they liked me and matched up. And so I went to Hopkins and did the one year nutrition internship. Wow. And that was, I mean, it's one of those experiences where you kind of look back and during it, you're like, oh, this is terrible. It's so difficult and they're pushing me too hard and I can't do this. But you look back now, it's like, wow, it's life changing. It was really, really beneficial. Wow. Yeah. It's super prestigious. Wow. And that opened up doors. Yeah, they hired me for a year, so I worked uh, at the Weight Management Center at Johns Hopkins for just over a year, and learned a lot, got to work with a lot of different clients, and I got to be part of some research projects, so it was like a dream come true. I mean, I could have, I've been interested in all this stuff since high school, you yeah. know, eating and exercise and the human body, and now it turned into like graduate degrees and a career, and yeah, it was like kind of a dream come true. So I'm curious to hear, you know, because I know what... You know, Dave's 
experience bodybuilding did to him as far as like there's certain foods he won't eat anymore or you know like he has aversions to certain things and um so I'm just curious tuna being one of them by the way way too much tuna I will never eat tuna again it just sounds like disgusting so and I eat it and then he's like horrified by like you know he's like oh it brings back bad memories (laughs) it's funny I don't know if it's funny it's interesting so we ate a lot of meat and eggs and um, I don't eat meat anymore. And a lot of people are like, oh, like, geez, that's got to be so hard. But I, I kind of was in a spot where I was ready to eat less meat. Like, I was mm. like, I'm kind of tired of eating meat. Yeah. I want a little break. I want more, like, beans and vegetables <laughs> and less yeah. meat. But I would say, yeah, I mean, meat's probably one tuna, definitely. The bodybuilding is the perfect uh, thing to do to kind of develop weirdness with food. Like, if you want... Mm. I, I don't know if I've met a lot of physique competitors who have a really healthy relationship with food, even if they've done one contest for 12 yeah. weeks or if they've done a bunch back to back, because it's just, I don't know, you get, you get so focused on what you're eating, like hyper-focused, things become good, things become bad, things are on the diet or off the diet, uh, there's like cheat foods and there's just, right. it just you're, all these mental games you have to play, Yeah, it's really tough and, uh. Yeah, I think my eating forever has been kind of tainted. I think it was very disordered. Now it's not as disordered, which is nice. It's more of a normal place. But yeah, you're, I think you're asking for kind of just strange eating patterns when you do bodybuilding. You can find that like with wrestling. Yeah. Bodybuilding and wrestling patterns. <laughs> like, worst. Get ready to <laughs> right. be disordered. I can't believe I'm not more messed up yeah. than I am. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. And so are you, are you still vegan? Yeah, I eat a vegan. Well, yeah, I eat a vegan diet. I mean, I'll eat eggs maybe like a few times per year if it's kind of a unique situation. Uh, <laughs> I don't quite know what the situation is. <laughs> eat this egg. Yeah. I don't want to. Eat this egg. Okay, I will. I have to be forced into it on an organic farm in the middle of New England. With some happy chickens. Yeah. <laughs> oh, are these chickens happy? Okay, yeah. then I will. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, eat a vegan diet. And it's been a long time now. I think it's been about a decade since I've... Wow. Yeah, did that. And that was back when I was at Kent State. I was taking an ethics class, and we were learning about using animals in research. And I was talking to my lab partner, and she's like, so you don't agree with using animals in research? I said, I don't know. It just feels weird, you know, testing on them for maybe not important reasons. She's like, are you eating meat? I said, yeah. She's like, well, you're causing problems with that. I was Uh like, oh, I never thought of it like that. Because in bodybuilding, like, you go buy chicken at the store. Yeah. And it's a unit of protein, and that's it. Like, you don't give it any other thought. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't even... I, I remember the story of uh, um, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook. I think we've even chatted about this, right? That every year he tries to, like, set oh, yeah. some interesting yeah. goal for him. And one year it was, I think, no meat. And it was ended by... Um, or no, I'm no. sorry, it wasn't no meat. He basically said, I have to, to hunt, it, right? hunt or kill yeah. any meat I'm going to eat. I'm not just going to buy it packaged. And essentially what that did for him is he didn't eat as much meat at all because he, there was like this connection to like, that was an animal, yeah. you know, um, which is interesting and because I, cause I come from a whole family that hunts yeah. and loves hunting. Um, and they, they of course eat everything that they hunt. Um, yeah, there's, there's a, I, there's a, and I think that is, I mean, so I've been working in, with clients in nutrition for uh, almost a decade now. And I think there's like a fundamental disconnect and lack of respect just for food, Hmm. where it comes from, how it's produced. Hmm. 
And I don't think, I, until that gap is bridged, I don't know if our health and nutrition will ever really change in this country. Interesting. Because like, I think the approaches we take right now are more like a higher level. Like, I'm going to buy a diet book and learn about carbs, or I'm going to count calories, or I'm going to whatever, learn about something. And that's fine. I think those can be useful. But I think there's like this fundamental lack of respect. And I think until that's connected, we're in trouble. It's like in marriage, like you can learn communication skills and that's great. If you don't respect your spouse, you're right. probably going to run into problems. Yeah. So I think we're kind of like that with food. Like we just don't really have any connection to it. So even like people who have gardens, people who hunt, I think that's great. Like that's starting to connect the dots with everything with, with food. Right. Yeah, as you sit down and eat, you understand where that came from. Yeah. That it was a lot of work to get to yeah. that point. That it was like either a life. That or it a... came from somewhere. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and part of the problem to in today, and it's interesting because I think I mean, even we saw this. I saw this more in Nicaragua than mm. we did in India, um, and I don't know if it's just the logistics of import export, but like tons of pre-packaged processed stuff like it's just more accessible it's mm -hmm. cheaper you know and so there you really are at a disconnect with whole foods and where it comes from if you can just buy stuff in a bag you know yeah and so yeah we were surprised because sometimes you know like especially in when we were in uganda we didn't see a lot of processed food you know Everything was people, what people were growing in their little gardens. and Yeah, Uganda seemed to be like, they had the little, like, what we would call like a farmer's market set up. Yeah. That was yeah. like where you went and bought you food. Got vegetables and vegetables. And you pretty much had to do it every day meat. because you it's you don't have a way to store it. Right. You don't have a way to preserve it. So you, you shop every day for a little bit and get your food for the day and come back and prepare. So Nicaragua was not like that. No. Not as much. But to be honest, they were eating a lot of beans and rice, and both of those okay. things are things that you can store for a long time. Right. But but any time you were out and about, um, yeah, it, it just had more access. Probably just being in like the Americas, you know, like yeah. Central America, you know, it's there's just there's a little bit m more of an access. I don't know. I don't know if that's why. We may be talking out of my but so sorry. Well, oh, go ahead. Well, no, I just so you found a passion in health, you know, holistic living, nutrition, weight management. I don't, I don't know. I, I, what would you consider? I mean, you're an expert in a lot of things and you are an expert because your job has revolved around dialoguing with people and been, you have a platform as a writer and a communicator with people. So brag on yourself for a few minutes. Like what are some of the things you've put your hands to over the last decade? What are those touch points you would say, gosh, I've, I've had this I've done this and this, just so even well, people know. And, and I think it's, you know, we say we create media so that people can show up for their own lives. And I think what's amazing about you is that you've shown up for your own life. You, you found a passion, figured out how to pursue it, how to make a living doing it. It's something you enjoy and you find joy in helping others. And so, yeah. And that's look, not, not a lot of people can say that. Yeah. yeah it's a good feeling. It is. Um. Uh, so to get into bragging, let's yes. uh, do it. <laughs> no, I mean, I guess some of like the benchmarks, uh, I co-authored a nutrition textbook with John Berardi at Precision Nutrition and personal trainers, fitness pros use that. I'm really proud of that. Wow. Putting together a textbook was uh, yes. a big project. We're actually doing the third edition right now and that's become another big project, but it's wow. cool. Wow. Uh, I wrote uh, my own book, Drop the Fat Act and Live Lean. Yeah, it's awesome. That was, I loved it, by the way. 
Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I wanted to make an entertaining read because I just, I started to notice these trends and I thought like, I can't, I can't escape these trends. Like I got to write a book on this. They just keep coming up. So I wrote that book. That was a, a so let's, I mean, just to recap, that's called Drop the Fat Act and Live Lean. You yeah. can find it on Amazon. <laughs> you can get yeah, any, any bookseller. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was a, that was a big deal. I've completed a bunch of articles for Precision Nutrition. Uh, I've done different public speaking things and what else? Uh, those are well, some of the big... One of the things that stands out to me is uh, you were living in Boulder or, or near... Yeah. You weren't living in Boulder. You were living near Boulder, Colorado. Yeah. And one day you decide that um, you are going to be a lunch lady at a school. Right? Is that yeah, a sexist? Yeah. I think that's a little... Sexist. I mean, well, a lunch, lunch lady is a man, term. A He's lunch a lunch person. man, but... Yeah. I just thought... What? So you have... clickbait. So you have, <laughs> a, you have a master's degree in nutrition? Yeah. And yeah. you decide to go and get a $10 an hour job right, right. as a lunch lady? I keep saying lunch lady. Yeah. I don't mean you that. Know, yeah, it started... There's oh, a woman but why named, is that? Yeah, a woman named Ann Cooper, for anybody who follows, like, school lunches, uh, she's this lunch lady from California who has revolutionized the lunch program. And she did it in California. She was brought into Boulder to help improve the lunch system. And I was reading an article about it, and I thought, I live, like, in the next city over. I need mm-hmm. to go show my support for this. So first I just started kind of volunteering, and I thought, oh, I want to do more than this. And they said, you can work on the front lines <laughs> and serve the food and wash the dishes and cashier. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. So I work from home. I have a flexible schedule. I work in the morning. I work in the evening. And I'll go Monday through Friday and work as a lunch lady for a year. And I wrote a big article about it. And it was actually a really cool experience to see what you know the kids choose and why they choose it and talk with them about it. See the staff and what the staff's views are on food. Hmm. Because a lot of them didn't like the changes. It was more work. It didn't taste as good. So I'm like, all right, if they're complaining and they don't like it, the kids are not going to buy it. The kids are not going to like it. Like, this is going to go terrib- terribly. Right. So I think you needed kind of the person on the front lines or whatever that's like, yeah, this is good food. It's nutritious. Mm. It tastes pretty good. You should try it out. Like, right. it's all right. It's okay. It's normal. <laughs> so, yeah. That's impressive. I mean, yeah. I'm when, when Dave said you were doing that, I was... I was blown away. Yeah, it was it was a, a good experience, and it was it was tough. I was taking the bus up to Boulder. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long trek. <clears throat> I can't believe we. <clears throat> Sorry, I can't believe. Oh my gosh, <clears throat> I can't believe we haven't mentioned this. But so we're gonna step back and then we're gonna go right back into Ryan's story. But uh, whatever, five, six, five, five years ago, um, <clears throat> Morgan and I get a call from a producer at Oprah. You know, our story was going to be highlighted on there, and and then it came and went, and all sorts of things happened. Well, we get invited to Oprah's like, favorite things show. Where well, we didn't know that. We didn't right. know that time. We just knew we got invited to Chicago. You got that weird email. Did you yeah, get that weird email? Yeah, you thought. Yeah, yeah. It was ours. Was going to be about inspirational people. I right, yours and that's what, similar. And ours was yeah, inspirational people. Um, it ended up being like Oprah's heroes, is what she called it. So she invited all. She invited us, and she was going to be shooting two shows that day. Oprah's favorite things where. None of us knew this, but they were going to be giving it. So we go there, you know, it was sat us in the front row. We, you know, they showed our picture up in the front and then they gave us crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, do so you think you're going to be talking about like, like it's totally, but 
Instead, it's like Instead, they throw a bunch of gifts. Yeah, at and you. really, honestly, I was really disappointed. But yeah. this wasn't even the point of why I'm telling the I mean, story. I mean, disappointed, like because you wanted to tell our story, and but well, you I, were grateful for. I mean, we got to go oh, on a cruise, which was amazing. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm super grateful. I don't mean that at all. Uh, I just mean we had 120 employees in Uganda at the time. I'm like, oh god, yeah. please let this get out to 12 right. million people right now who are watching this. Yeah. That's right. what I was thinking. Um, but. We get home uh, from Chicago, great day, and I get a call from Ryan, and you say, hey, were you in Chicago, <laughs> like, a couple days ago? And I was like, yeah. He goes, I was too. And we, weren't, we were all yeah, sworn to secrecy. On the yeah, the Oprah basically was like, yeah. and the producers came and said, dude, you can't tell people until it airs, you can't tell people what you won, because it's, you know, all sorts of reasons. And... Uh, and we kind of put two and two together, and he goes, yeah, I, I was there. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you were there? I was like, yeah. We literally had to have passed. As I yeah. remember our show got out. We were in line. You waiting were in line in. waiting to get in. So you guys got invited to one of her final shows, really, and we got invited to one of her final on the exact same day, yeah. halfway across the country. Like, Both from Colorado. And what are the chances? Best friends I, mean, growing, I mean, it's like... We could have been struck by lightning, and I really think it would have been more likely on the same day, both of us. Yeah, because I mean, we're both, like, what do you think, 300 people in that yeah. studio? You probably, know? Yeah, probably. So between us two, you, and or you even. went with your mom. So mm-hmm. you were talking about four out of 600. I bet it wasn't even 600 even. Yeah, it's a pretty small studio. That's pretty anyway. crazy. And you got, like... A car yeah. and iPads and... So this is what's making Ryan funny. even cooler, is that he gets this car, brand new... Um, it's what your mom drives still, right? Because you get... Or no, you no, gave my it to yeah. your sister. I gave it to my sister. So you got a brand new VW Bug, mm. like the sport one or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you decide um, the BP, is that right? Oil spill? Well, yeah. I mean, the original... I guess one of the big reasons like we were even invited, uh, I... Uh, I forgot the exact year, but yeah, after the BP oil spill, I was just all, I was reading about it. I was like, ah, oh, this is terrible. Like, yeah, I just felt so helpless. Like I can't do anything. Right. So I thought I'm going to, I'm going to sell my car. So I'm going to like support the idea of using mass transit and biking and walking and I'll take whatever money I make and I'll donate it to the cleanup efforts in the Gulf coast. It's like, all right. I remember just driving down and doing it one day. I was like, oh, I caught the bus home. Took like two hours to get home. But I was like, that was a mistake. I didn't have to get my car. I regret this immediately. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did that. It felt really good, actually. It felt like the right thing to do. And But we got a car as a gift. And at the time, I was like, I'm kind of in the groove of not having a car at this point in my life. So I gave it to my sister's family. They needed one. So worked out. Yeah, so you're ridiculous. I love you. Uh, I did keep the tea set, though, I got from Oprah. <laughs> I'm telling you for other that. You even gave us your iPad. You, it was the oh, first yeah. generation iPad. Yeah. I feel That's like the only we, iPad we, we had. got a knife, because we got, you get two of everything, so between Morgan and I, I think we gave you a knife you set a, and a Jay-Z, the Jay-Z, Jay-Z book, book yeah. and yeah. you gave us an iPad. I think we, we won out on that transaction. Um, uh, no, but that's what I love about you, Ryan, is like, you know... You, you put your actions behind what you believe in, you know? You don't talk one thing and then act another. And I think, yeah, that's really rare. And, yeah, yeah, we really admire that. So, yeah, thanks for being an example. I mean, you see a problem and you decide to go be a part of the solution or figure out how to, you know, infiltrate and, I don't know. Yeah, it's easy. I still get caught up in focusing on what how everybody else should live you know like mm. you guys need to do this you guys need to do that why aren't you doing this 
I'm like, you know, I'll focus on my life and try to do what I can and live by my values. Yeah. If somebody notices it and it makes sense to them, fine. If not, okay. Not. Right. That's okay. Uh, Mother Teresa, she has a quote, if everyone swept their own doorstep, the whole world would be clean. Hmm. I love that. It's like you hmm. just take care of your own your own stuff. And totally. If everybody does it, it'll work out. Wow. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that. Dang. Well, so... Um, so go back to the lunch. I mean, I'm just curious from a parent's perspective. You know, our kids are... If you take 12 years of school, or 13, I guess, you know, our kids are eating lunch most kids in America and are eating lunch away from home for 13 years, five days a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just curious, like what, what you ended up, you said the kids didn't like it that much. Basically you tried to instill like a healthier. Yeah. And I mean the changes that were being made, well, first of all, it's in Boulder, Colorado. So yeah. I, it's, like I would think like... it would be a good place to do this. Like, oh yeah, it's going to be embraced. The parents, the kids, there were actually a lot of people on, a lot of kids on free and reduced lunch. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't necessarily the population you might think in Boulder. But, uh, I mean, small changes like half whole grain pasta, like, um, you know, pizza with a vegetable on it. <laughs> like not huge, like, not, you know. Not radical. <laughs> hamburgers not... from like a, lo- a Colorado, you know, a Colorado meat. And it was just like very small You're changes. You're not talking like quinoa yeah, and, not like, you know. <laughs> Boulder Sunflower salad. sprouts. Right. Yeah, kids. Dig in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so small changes. And I think what kids are used to is just they have the, their palate is so used to these certain like processed foods. Yeah. Any type of change tastes a little different. They might not embrace it. Plus, they just they knew the changes were being made. So I think mentally they're like, oh, yeah. healthy food. Right. Yeah, which is one of the reasons I wanted to be there. Yeah. As the weird guy taking the bus to help food. No. <laughs> I want to be so, like a young male helping right. in ser- serving food. Not like totally the typical, I don't know, person who you might envision doing that. Who's not, they don't really care about it, maybe. Um, yeah. And that's a generalization. But I just want to be, I care about nutrition. I want to be there showing that energy. Wow. Yeah, that's great. That's amazing. So you wrote this other article, and um, I, I think it's worthy of us chatting about it. You are, a, and and were, and still are, a pretty outspoken, not outspoken vegan like other Who's people. Who's an advocate? But you, you're an advocate for, um, uh, it's all healthy eating, right? But, but a lot of people knew you from a blog you write or articles you write with Precision Nutrition that mm-hmm. go out to millions of people. Um as, well, I don't know, how, how would people view you in the vegan community? Or, or how, did they view, how, how did they view you before I mean, this so story? You're talking about ethics and food, really. You're talking, right? Is that, I mean, that you're talking about how animals are treated and... Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how I'm perceived in the vegan community today. I mean, I, I, several years ago, I thought it would be really interesting to... And this is the story I was really interested in. Yeah, talking yeah like, about. I thought... I live in Colorado. Colorado has a lot of feedlots. I'm a nutritionist here. I care about health. I eat a plant-based diet. What if I go like tour one of these and just write about my experience there? And it, I, it was like a several-month process of reaching out to the Colorado Beef Council and some professors at Colorado State who were like agriculture and trying to get it all set up. It was like this big hassle, but it finally all worked out. I was like, this is great. We can like start a conversation. Because that was like my big thing. It's like starting a conversation between the two sides. Right. There's like the vegan side and the 
feedlot, like eat animal side. We're not going to talk. We're in our own corners. You guys suck. You guys suck. No, you suck. Like, okay. We, we never do that in America, right? Republicans and Democrats. <laughs> everything's yeah. A, yeah. Everything is that. Like black and white, two sided. Yeah. yeah. So I thought, cool, let's start a conversation. I'll get there. I'll connect. I'll see what these people are doing, see if there's any redeeming qualities about it, write about my experience, and publish the article. And I learned some things. I did learn that. Uh, I need to be very careful with how I choose words in writing. Writing is very powerful. Yeah. And uh, when you're talking about a very passionate to- topic like feedlots and, and using animals for food, it's you know it's very sensitive for people. Uh, but I mean, I don't know. Looking back, I really wanted to get the conversation started. I wanted to f- try to find some redeeming qualities for these uh, people running the feedlot. My main conclusion, and I don't know if people got this, <laughs> or they or they did, but it just, I don't know, it didn't come out the right way. For the amount of people we have and the amount of meat that we eat, feedlots meet that, they, they do a good job meeting that need. I mean, to, to produce that much meat for that much people, like, you're going to need some system that's has a lot of animals in one spot and produces a lot of meat. I don't think it's great. Right. I don't buy those products. You, I don't support it. And you were really clear about that in this article. Yeah. And there's a whole conclusion to this article too, which has been, it was an interesting conversations with you in the months following. So. Yeah. And I mean, so I don't know. I, vegans, I think in general, a lot of people would look at the article and say, Ryan, you're giving people permission to just eat a bunch of meat. I was hoping people would read it and say, wow, we need to stop overpopulating the planet eating so much meat. <laughs> Didn't come across that way to people. That's unfortunate. Because it was a bummer because uh, the meat industry, would it was very popular. People were calling me from agricultural radio stations in Nebraska. Like, oh, we have to get you on. And magazines interviewed me. And they were using it as like, I didn't want them to use it how they were using it. Like, right. oh, yeah, a, this See? vegan right. dietitian saying you need to go eat meat. It's really great. We're doing a good job. I was like, no, I, no, I didn't really mean that. So I... Yeah, I, and then vegans were just saying you're giving people to permission to eat a bunch of animal products, you're doing a disservice to animals. It was terrible. I mean, really, the vegan community disliked me. I got horrible calls and emails, and I felt terrible because I, I started to build some good relationships with those people. And yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's something I care about deeply. So right. it, was, it, it felt really bad. It still does. I mean, it's, it's influenced my writing to this point. Wow. Uh, it influences whenever I, I speak. I tend to be very, very cautious with my words. Hmm. And yeah, it's a tough, I mean, it was a tough thing. I, uh, I, I try to, I still think about like, I wonder if there's like a one clear lesson like I should have learned, but I don't know if there is huh. other than like choosing your words carefully. Uh, yeah, that's, I don't know. I feel like that's a great discussion point because I just, you're always going to have the haters and the critics. And what's bad about asking questions? I think people are just scared to ask questions because the minute I think you ask a question, they automatically assume that you are either for or against. You know what I mean? They're drawing conclusions. You're like, no, I'm not drawing conclusions. I'm asking questions. Like, why are we scared as a culture Uh and a people to ask questions? And it's not just, you know, about topics like this. It's about spirituality. It's about, you know, lifestyle choices. It's about a lot of things. Like... Well, nationalism, I mean, if I even mention, like, I wonder if America did this wrong. Like, I wonder mm-hmm. if, if we shouldn't have gone to war at some point. Mm-hmm. Or I wonder, 
the assumption for a lot of people is you hate America. Yeah. You, why, why? I can't believe, just go to another, then move. You know, and you're like, no, no, no. I'm actually really grateful for America. I love it. But that doesn't mean I can't question things, right? And I think the lesson I learned from watching your story from the outside was it was a, revolved around a lot of this, of, of going, wow, um, he wasn't allowed, because you didn't come to a lot of conclusions. Yours was yours were a lot of a lot more questions. Mm-hmm. And, and you wanted to start a conversation, not end a conversation. Yeah. And I love what you guys just said, and I've talked to you about this in the past, Dave. I think you should have a safe space to express doubts about things, raise questions about things in your, with the topic in your community. If you can't do that, if you can't say, you know, this veganism thing, like, I don't know. I don't know if it's the best thing. Like, let's talk about the pros and cons. And people are like, no, you can't bring that up. It's yeah. the right way. Well, I want to, I want to community that I can bring up those doubts and questions and I don't want to just be like no we all have to be blinded to everything and just say yes this is it right well because you're either this or you're that and I think though as we're getting older we're learning there's a lot more and you (laughs) know and it's a lot more gray and unclear so how come we don't have grace for each other you know and you see it in all realms you see it you know even in motherhood in the way you parent you Mm -hmm. know breastfeeding or bottle feeding or you know what I mean like oh you're gonna do that and like you hear it in people's tones like just because they value something um and you have somebody questioning something it's like they immediately draw you know jump to conclusions we don't need to jump to conclusion Matt we We need to jump to question Matt (laughs) (laughs) was that SNL skin no office space office space (laughs) jump to conclusions Matt oh my gosh jump to questions yeah no I think you're right we do we absolutely need a place and we just need to have grace and freedom to be to express our doubts and to ask questions and to be comfortable in that tension of not having answers Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, you, you don't always know the full story too. Like mm. you mentioned the breastfeeding, bodily feeding thing. You don't know what else the person's dealing with. You don't know their story or their background yeah. or what people are juggling a lot. And they're absolutely, I like to think they're trying to do the best they can. So hmm. instead of just saying you're wrong, do it my way. It's, yeah. Yeah. We don't I, know what else is going on. I like Amy Poehler. She says it like, good for you. Not for me. Yeah. Like, let's just all agree to that. Yeah, yeah, good that, for you. Not, not for, me. for me. That's all right. Yeah. And wow. Yeah, that was good. Were you gonna say something? No, were you gonna say something? No. Well, I yeah, I think we we uh, I think we as your friends are just super grateful to have an influence um, on the world and on us. Um, to see somebody so committed to their values, so committed to their passions, and then figuring out in any creative way possible on, on, yeah, how to pursue that and pursue it consistently over the years. So it's spoken loudly to us. It's spoken loudly to our family. It's spoken loudly to my extended family. They all love you and, yeah, really respect you. It's interesting, too, is that they're a big hunting family, so it it would be at odds, but um, it's not at all. Like, there's great conversation. They love you. You love them. and um, Well, I even think, like, you recently went to go visit Ryan in Boston. I did. We went and watched Rob Bell and Pete Holmes oh, yeah. do a live live show. It was amazing. Yes. But you even had an experience when in the morning with that. Oh yeah, See, that's Which another thing you do. Gosh, we can just you have such a huge list of amazing qualities. Uh, 
Yeah, you helped deliver. Uh, we I helped you one day. Oh, yeah. Food to... So you, you basically are part of a group who go around, and what do you guys do? Yeah, it's a, a non-profit there, and food that's about to expire uh, at grocery stores like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods, we'll go pick it up, and we bring it to food pantries and low-income housing projects. So it's like the ultimate win-win. <laughs> yeah. I love talking about it, because... I hate food waste. Nobody likes food waste. So all this nutritious food is going to be thrown in the trash. We're going to take that so it's not going to be wasted. And we're going to bring it to people who need nutritious foods. Nobody likes to see people with low incomes eating junk food. So let's bring them and give them better access to nutritious foods. So it's I love it. Like It's the ultimate win-win. And it's such a cool nonprofit. And uh, yeah, that was awesome. That actually was a big help that morning. And I'm we sure that we did have a lot. <laughs> I'm sure those are around the country, right? I mean, people have started these all over yeah. to figure out how they get food that would be thrown away and get it to the people who need it. Yeah, like I think they're often termed like food recovery networks or food recovery projects. Okay. But yeah, I think they're all over the country. There's also like gleaning projects. So they'll mm. go to the farm. And if the farmer says, we know we can't sell any more of these peaches or the apples or whatever, tomatoes... You can go and bring volunteers there and gather the food. It's all perfectly fine. It's just going to be yeah. rotting there if you. Because if it even has like a bruise, or if it yeah. even has anything, they want to. Yeah. They're not going to sell they're it. They're not going to sell it. So throw it away. Wow. But you go pick that up. You bring it to food pantries, low-income housing projects. It's. I love that stuff. Yeah. And, and from there, we went over to a farm afterwards with oh, yeah. with Kate, your wife, um, and we saw a farm that you volunteer at, and you help what? Yeah, so that's a, an organic farm. I've, I've been trying to volunteer in organic farms for about seven years just because I wanted to learn more about the process of growing food hmm. and what goes into it. And that's actually really shaped uh, a lot of my views on my own diet and my vegan diet as well, and trying to see how kind of animals fit into the whole farming cycle and it's actually probably interesting to see in other countries too like in uganda or something where the animal maybe eats food scraps and it also helps to get rid of pests so it like plays a role in the whole yeah and production as manure cycle. is part of the you know fertilization and yeah, right. then it works and then you use it to help work the field and right till the land and right so it's not like a unit of food on a factory farm. Right. It's like part of a sustainable farming cycle. Right. So that's been cool for me to see because I think it's easy to think like, no, everybody just needs to eat a vegan diet, eliminate animals completely. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. Like we got to look at this from like an agricultural perspective and sustainability perspective, but it's been cool. It's, uh, if I ever eat eggs, I'll probably get them from that place. Right. And, uh, <laughs> it's cool. It's cool to see. It's, um, and it gives me a lot of appreciation. Like I spent two hours one day gathering raspberries there. And like these buckets on my neck, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" It's like two hours. I had like a handful of raspberries. <laughs> so every time I go to the grocery store, I see the mounds and stacks of the raspberries. I'm like, whoa! People pick these. Wow! In like the sun in California. Crazy. Oh. It's like a lot of work goes into this. Yeah. What movie did we recently watch? Where I was like, McFarland. Oh, McFarland USA. Oh yeah, I saw that. Wow. Yeah, and you saw the the migrant farmer going to work. And yeah. all the kids going to work before school, then picking, and then going back, you know, to the fields after school, and I don't know, I think... The movie get... was about cross-country, and we right. ended up having all these conversations with our kids about the fact that, actually, this is how all of our food gets picked. Are you aware of that? They had no idea, and um, this is, like, all over the place, that people are working before school, after school, all hot during the day, and that's how we have something yeah. sitting in our kitchen. Well, yeah, a lot of vegetables and fruits. Yeah. yeah, and how grateful, like, how do we 
shift our perspective to even just have an attitude of gratitude. Oh, mm-hmm. that's oh my gosh, I just rhymed. Attitude of gratitude. <laughs> attitude of gratitude. With a little rap coming on. <laughs> um, no, I just, how can we be thankful? How can you pick up a piece of produce and just say, hey, thanks, I mean, call it whatever you want, but like, thanks so much for whoever you are. Right. Picking my food and... Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I think it even starts with just awareness and... Knowing it comes from somewhere. Right. Yeah, it's like I talked about earlier. I think that deeper level of respect, if we can have it, whether it's knowing that somebody picked the raspberry or you have a garden or you tour a feedlot or something, like just connecting more to where food comes from. So um, we can begin wrapping this up. I, because I don't want to take more of your time. I know you have to travel today. And um, if there are people, I had countless conversations like this last night at the premiere of The Find where people say, oh, I have this passion or I've wanted to do something like this or, I've, or you've inspired me to go do this, but I don't know where to start. So I have this idea or I have this like thing in me. Um, what have you learned over the years about being about the things you care about? Uh, you now, you know, have written books and write articles and blog posts that a lot of people read and are... Um, have the potential of impacting a lot of people with, with the things. How did you get there, and what, what kind of advice do you have for those those people? Uh, uh, I hope I have some really powerful advice. <laughs> now. Um, you know, I would say the biggest thing that really that it comes down to that I've found useful is maybe <laughs> don't think too much about it. Like, mm-hmm. just kind of do it. I mean... the times in my life where I really spent too much time weighing the pros and cons and thinking about all the potential outcomes and things like that. It's like, you know, six months go by and you're like, I could have been done with it by now. Like, why didn't I just do it? So oftentimes some of the best things I've done were just like, I'm just going to do it. Like tomorrow I'm going to sell my car. Tomorrow I'm going to start volunteering in the lunch program. I'm going to start a farm. I'm going to start writing a book. Like you just... You guys do that all the time. You guys are like my inspiration for that. <laughs> the advice I'm giving is what I've learned from David Morgan. But it is. I, I think wow. there's a big... I don't. I mean, I'm sure there are situations where you do that and it's an absolute failure and you don't learn anything. But, okay. Like, I don't know. I think, you know, we have one life and yeah. you can make a choice and get started on it. So. Dude, yeah, write it. that book. I'll read that just so you know. I'm... I mean, we could not be more wanting to high-five you right now. Like, I think I even tried to explain that in some, during Brad playing music, and it was loud, and hundreds of people there, but we talked about the fact that, like, nights like the premiere, they only happen just because we continue to just, just do the thing instead of dream about the thing. Like, so many people, like you said, a decade will go by with some dream, like, oh, I love to write, and then they just never write. And you're like, well... Just write. Who cares if nobody listens? Who cares if nobody reads it? Like, just do the thing, and eventually you get to be about these... Well, and I think I think what we've learned, too, is we commit to something, we jump in, and sometimes it's, super, like you said, super blindly. Like we're not thinking too much about the how. Mm-hmm. I mean, we know the why, and we but we jump in, and then you figure it out. Like, you just make it work. Yeah. Okay, I don't know exactly what making a tv show is but we'll i know you have to start with some money so let's just start fundraising and you've committed and at some point you enter the you know the point of no return and you're in it and it's just one foot you know in front of the other and you figure it out yeah then slowly you look back and you're like i'm doing it yeah you know and i don't know it's a power it's a good feeling and i'm i don't want to 
uh, it's not like I do this with everything. I'm not like perfect. Like, yeah, I, fall, I found the key to life. Like, here's it. Here it is. I I overanalyze things and I regret decisions that I should have made and probably should have taken action on. But oftentimes, when I just kind of like, I feel really strongly about this and I do it, it's often good. It yeah. often turns out really positively. So wow. Well, you're the man. Thank you. Thanks for just you. sharing. Yeah, everything from health to just what, yeah, living a life. Um, yeah, that, like you said, life is short. And so understanding that this thing is short and to be about the things you are actually passionate about, uh, it's beautiful to watch from the outside. So thank you. I think in keeping with our... I feel like we veered from this, and I would like to keep keep it okay. going. Okay, baby, let's do it. Um, what I think we should just wrap up by also saying, like, what it is this week that's been inspiring for you. You know, whether it's a book or music or something or a conversation. I mean, it could really be anything. But like, what in this? And it doesn't have to be this last week, but just you know, in this current season, you find yourself in. Like, it has kind of been the fuel or the to keep you going. You know, lately, I find some of the most inspirational and powerful things in my life, uh, documentaries. Mm-hmm. I think media, I would, and it's, I like what you guys are doing because I think it's very powerful because it hits like the emotional gut mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. It's not like the brain where we can like fool ourselves in other things, but, um, I'll watch a documentary or I'll read a good nonfiction book even, or, I don't know. I think those things, they, they tend to uh, be pretty powerful. Um, specifically, Dave turned me on to a podcast, the Pete Holmes podcast. Yeah. And I think the first one I listened to was the one with Rob Bell, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But it, I listen to that a lot, and it has a major influence. I'll think about it all week, what yeah. he says on that podcast. And it's like life lessons. It's also like jokes. And I absolutely love that podcast. So yeah, that's probably what I'm listening to a lot lately. It's very inspirational. And I've said this already today. You guys are extremely mm. uh, huge inspiration. I'm very proud of you guys. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks Thank for your you. support. What about you, babe? Oh my goodness. Um, what is inspiring me lately? Uh, real honestly, we've had a couple weeks of a lot of work. It's a short season of getting ready for the premiere and get it finishing up the show. So um, it's the times where I intentionally uh, just check out for a little bit and am, and am present that has refueled me. Uh, I think it's easy to be a human doing and not a human being. And um, so those it's, it's so I don't I don't have a book or a piece of music or a whatever this week, but uh, man, my encouragement would be for myself even, uh, is, is to find those times where you're just being and you give yourself grace to do that and not feel like you're wasting time, not feel like Mm. this is time, you know, not well spent. Um, so that's, that's, that's been my, my, my bit of refueling lately. Hmm. And you? And me. Um, I think mine's kind of been in the music realm this last week, you know, from a couple of things, ironically. Um, there's this new album called Brave New World by Amanda Cook. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of like really beautiful, melodic, inspirational words filled with just truth about who we are and 
where we're going. But yeah, so I found a lot of refueling and truth in that. And then, funny enough, the other morning I woke up just with that song by Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers in my mind, like, um, stand your ground, don't mm-hmm. back down. I don't know. And so I, I, I enough to, so that I came to you and said, hey, Dave, you know that chalkboard wall we have? What, what if you put stand your ground or stand my ground on it? Because I think this season you've talked about finding rest. Um, and I think I needed this last week to just know that like we've said yes to something and it's so easy to get bombarded with the lies that try to pull you back or pull you down. And I, so Kind like of, what we're putting our hands to isn't yeah. worth it, or it's not good, or it's... Whatever, yeah. yeah. And so I just needed that reminder of, like, no, stand your ground. Like, you know who you are. You know why you're doing this. Um, don't get weary. You know, hang in there. So, that, you know, I don't know. It's kind so, of funny. So Tom, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. spoke it to you this week. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, well, so. thank you so much, right? I appreciate it. It's it's a huge honor to have it you in is. our house and, and get if time people, to spend. If people want to find, you know follow you or find out more can you where can they find you uh so my main job is through precision nutrition that's where i coach and do write articles and so that's a good place to find me and like precision nutrition precision nutrition.com that's it and uh i am on facebook Uh, (laughs) not proud of it i've been on there for a couple of years but i have i have a professional page and I try to post things at least once a week, and it's usually it's about something I've talked about today, like yeah. the environment or animals or food recovery or something. So. I'm not proud of it. I love it. Um, so yeah, Ryan Andrews. Ryan right? Andrews. Well, as always, you can find um, LGH on Facebook at LGH on Instagram at LGH underscore TV, and the same on Twitter. So thank you all. Hope you guys enjoyed, and uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs>